Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast from Deloitte's Public Sector Data Leaders Forum and Tech UK. Today, we are talking about data and specifically the skills and capabilities needed to make best use of it. So this is one of a series of podcasts that Deloitte and Tech UK are producing to talk about data in the public sector. We're covering its economic value, the issue of data sharing, and today, the skills and capabilities needed to make best use of it. We'll be joined on each podcast by a public sector data leader who is a member of our Public Sector Data Leaders Forum. That forum has been established in collaboration with data leaders across government to share common challenges and opportunities on data and analytics in the public sector. We'll hear a bit more about the forum in this podcast. So I'm Ed Roddis, Head of Public Sector Research for Deloitte, and I'm joined today by Ming Tang, National Director of Data Analytics for NHS England. Ming, welcome. Thanks, Ed. So can you tell us a bit about the data and analytics service and your role? So the Chief Data and Analytics Officer for NHS England Improvement is fairly new as a post. Prior to that, I was kind of leading all the data activities. So it's what's changed and what's different is I am now more the head of profession for data and analytics across the NHS. So really helping to make sure that we're building both the infrastructure, capability, data assets that we need across all of our analysis. So that's be that you know, performance reporting, modeling, economics analysis, basically all the tool sets that we're developing to, to enable business decision making and making sure that we're working well with the integrated care systems as well and overseeing some of that work as well. So quite a broad portfolio of stuff. Okay. And how how digitally advanced in terms of the data is the NHS at the moment? I mean, because you know, sometimes you conjure up an image of servers or is everything in the cloud or is everything still in paper-based and filing cabinets? I mean, where on that spectrum are you at the minute? As a directorate, we are, we've moved most of our assets into the cloud. Um, mm -hmm. we, we did that migration and some of it's still being migrated. So we, we've less, we've got less stuff on-prem, but I think we'll always have a mixture of on-cloud and on-prem just because of the types of things that we do. How digitally enabled are we in terms of use of information? During COVID, we We've really made great strides. I mean, we kind of knocked down a lot of my milestones <laughs> in months um, yeah. rather than years. So I, th I think we've made great strides, particularly with our data platform and the way that we use data and present data as just part of the normal business that, that that's improved enormously. But we've still got a long way to go in terms of end-to-end -end services. You know, are we digitalizing everything we do with the patients? No, we're not. And that's part of the next part of the journey. I've got to ask you, fax machines. Have you still got fax machines in your office? I'm sure there'll still be some fax machines around. And actually, that's that's quite um, an important point. We can only digitalise to the pace of the slowest. Yeah. And not all systems can be digitalised at this point in time, not without tremendous cost. So there is a cost implication of switching technologies, but bigger cost in enabling people to be able to use those technologies to the full extent. So we might laugh about fax machines, but actually, if you don't have a scanning capability or you don't have an integrated mechanism of transferring information, 
sometimes it works, doesn't it? It's better yeah. than having a carrier pigeon pass something from one place exactly. to another. Exactly. So look, today we're going to talk about <clears throat> careers and skills in data in the public sector. So, so let me ask you a couple of questions to set the scene a little bit. Now, I hear a lot of senior people, whether it's in government departments or other agencies in the public sector, say, I can't get people with data skills. I can't retain people with digital skills. Is there a shortage of people? Have I got that right? There's a shortage of people with the skills in a scalable sense that are used to using a common methodology and a common standard. I think there's definitely a shortage. So the, the thing that digitalization and use of the newer techniques of data engineering, et cetera, it creates a different way of working. So we have a shortage of those skills. And what we're trying to do now is transfer people with really good statistical skills, analytical skills to use and train up on some of those data skills. Um, so there'd be a bit of an overlap where we transition, where we bring new, new blood in who have those skills, but they don't understand the NHS. We need to right. also have the people that understand the NHS capture some of those skills. So there's, there's a bit of uh, mingling and making sure that we, we make the best use of our people. I have um, a particular concept that what we need to do is make sure that we provide roles and people, you know, round, round pegs and round holes. Yeah. But every skill set that we have is valuable. So it's not like all the things that you learned previously is no longer useful. But we also need to bring in some new blood with those skills so that we have a, a bow wave of, of change, if, if that makes sense. It does. And are there other public health systems around the world grappling with this? Is there anything unique about the UK and England specifically in this? No, I was just talking to the army this morning. They, they're having exactly the same problems. Yeah. So I don't think it's a yeah, public sector in, in particular. And I think in the NHS, we do quite well. A lot of people join the NHS because they want to make a difference. And COVID's really helped us in our branding in that, that people can see the value of data. But I think it's a, it's a common thing. So we need to collaborate more across the sector, across the public sector, in order to make the best use of that, those skills that we have. OK, so, so you mentioned COVID-19 and, and the effect that that's had. Can, can we dig into that a little bit? And because if you say the, the NHS and data together in the same sentence, I think for a long time now, people are going to think about the pandemic. What sort of impact has it had on the NHS and, and data specifically? So what, when I described that we've made great strides, it basically um, meant that we had the management focus on what is the data telling us? Where is the pandemic moving? Where's the virus moving? What's the shape? What's the impact on our um, hospitalisation rates? What's the impact on deaths? What's the impact on our workforce? You know, how many, what's the absence rate of our workforce? And therefore, can we schedule activity at all? So, you know, all of those things are very dependent on data. And what we were able to do during the pandemic was bring disparate data sets together into a common picture, which then we allowed and we work together with the business to make decisions about it. So we were able to target our efforts, prioritise our efforts, understand where the shortfalls were, 
and rectify that feedback loop of actually we've got a problem over here who do we need around the table to understand what's going on because the data says we've got a shortfall in uptake of vaccine or we've got a problem with over hospitalization in this hospital what's the mutual aid how do we help each other recover and solve those problems it was only possible because we brought the data together yeah. And data has effectively been front page news for 18 months now, hasn't it? I yeah. mean, we've you know, millions of people tuning in to Downing Street briefings with slides showing you know, massive data shots in, in all of it. So it certainly uh, it certainly feels like data has come of age in that respect. So you've been working, um, th thinking about the skills piece, you've been working on some kind of collaborative, cooperative solutions to making a difference for this. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we, as part of the um, kind of public sector data leadership group, we created a, a term of reference around how do we cooperate? How do we share the work that we're doing in building up skills and capabilities and how do we have some consistency so that you know because there is a shortfall of those skills if someone wanted to move from health into i don't know adult social care or into dwp what would be the common view of what a data analyst did with data science or a data engineer can we have common terminology can we look at sharing job descriptions so that we have some assurance and accreditation of you know someone coming from one organization going to another we know what level they're at and we can actually shortcut some of that but then also sharing some of the expertise and also some of the admin i guess in managing those things to make sure that we're all compliant and what we've been doing in health is really looking at the competency models the career paths and also how do we make the nhs a good place to work so sharing those ideas across public sector and learning from each other and actually doing some of that jointly is part of the co-op model Brilliant. I mean, what stops public bodies and different bits of the public sector collaborating on this kind of stuff generally? I mean, we often we often talk about silos in the public sector. Uh, actually, I always say in conversations like that, silos do exist in other bits of the economy as well, you know, even in uh, large successful companies. But what stops different bits of the public sector collaborating on this kind of stuff? What are the barriers? I think the barriers in the past have been seeing themselves, seeing each kind of sector as being very different. But I think the, the good thing about data is data is data, isn't it? Whatever organisation you fit in, whatever sector you work in, there are some common skills. So I think we're, we've harmonised on something that's not controversial. And actually, most of those things should be generic. I mean, we can learn a lot from the civil service because, you know, yeah. civil service can be applied to any sector at any time. And what we want is almost career paths that bridge across different organisations in the public sector. And if we can have that common framework, it just makes it much easier and it saves time. And actually, in some ways, it manages risk if we're more yeah. transparent as well. And is there anything in this solution in terms of the interface between the public and private sector? I know in terms of the current civil service reform agenda that they're, they're, they're talking about moving people in and out of Whitehall um, a, a bit more to learn from diff different industries. Having come from industry and consulting, yeah. I'm a big proponent of that. I yeah. think, I think you know, I'm a bit of a magpie. I'll pinch you know, with pride 
from anywhere. So for me, it's more about the outcome that you're trying to achieve, having a common understanding of what you're trying to achieve. And then we can learn from everywhere. I mean, it doesn't have to be public sector. I think the difference in public sector is that to attract people, we want to that there's a there's a bit about the public good but actually if you look at the new generations and younger generations coming through that's actually quite attractive to them to make a difference yeah. in societal terms so actually i think the public sector is actually really well placed to pinch from private sector if you like um people that want to make a difference and i, th- I think although the salaries are less they're not so so different that it makes it really difficult to recruit now what i'm saying is that kind of at the early career paths, it's not that much different. And actually, the, when you add in the pension, it's actually getting people to look at the total package. People want to join because they can make a difference. You, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago um, the, the public and data. And there's quite a debate about the public perception of data in the public sector, in government and the public sector, and how they use it and how they share it. And we did a survey a few years ago now, but it it found that the public, by and large, were fairly comfortable with the public sector using and sharing their data, and specifically comfortable with the NHS using and sharing their data. Do, Do you think it's a bit of a myth that uh that we've got a problem with public perception and data use? I don't think it's a myth because I think there are some very strong antibodies and it's almost a religion, not that, you know, this is my data and it's, you know, we don't want the NHS doing. It's less about the NHS and but other, other uses. I think when we've done testing in the public domain, there are definitely lines, there are red lines that people draw, but those red lines are quite often misunderstood. Yeah, because there's an assumption that you know, by working with the private sector, we're selling out, we're selling the data. There's not an assumption that actually the NHS maintains ownership of that data. So I don't think it's perception-wise. You're right. The, most of the public expect us to share data um, and use it, but there are fine lines, like you know. If we were to share health data with DWP, mm-hmm. it would have to be a very transparent use case. People have an assumption that if you're going to join up, who's getting benefits and using and checking whether their health records yeah. actually apply. So it's that marking homework that people don't like, and and or, or obviously that exposed risk, personal risk to them. But during the vaccines, the fact that we use DWP data to identify who were those people at risk because they were caring for people with a disability or whatever, that was seen as quite a valid use of their data. Can, can we talk about careers a bit? Because one of the things that, that excites me about data is it, it feels like this is a kind of a whole series of professions opening up, like a whole industry opening up. I mean, a few years ago, there were plenty of commentators talking about the fourth industrial revolution and saying, you know, your kids are going to do jobs that don't even exist yet. And it, it feels like data is the start of something like that to me. So, so thinking about careers, if somebody is at school, if they're just getting their GCSE or A-level results and they're thinking about a career in data, what's your advice to them? I'd say get stuck in, you know, think about it. There's lots of information out there on the net. There's lots of open programs. So, you know, you can learn Python online. You, there's lots of 
coding languages that would make you more attractive. And there's loads of, you know, even some of the academy things. I know that, you know, you can join competitions for different things for visualization because actually data is quite artistic. I don't think people realize it's not a dry subject as you know, people see science. It's actually really artistic. You can data visualization gives you taps into a different side of psyche that people don't normally see in statistics actually understanding statistics and how you apply that to data is actually very visual and actually you know quite an art so i think test it out talk to people come and talk to us we have lots of apprentices that we're, we're schemes that we're looking for for this new cadre you're right it's a new career path for people and we're very much conscious of how do we attract new and younger people to test out what they want to do because it's a very rewarding um, career because you can build out not just your data skills but your analytics skills and that then stays with you regardless of where you go if you become a policy person if you become a marketeer having that data grounding it's really important and how you can then leverage and do better in other professions as well so part of what we're looking at is seeding our analysts to become the next leaders of the future because they actually Brilliant. know how to run a spreadsheet they actually understand data that's been presented they can ask the questions of their teams so that's really important in terms of you know a career not don't just look at it as a box of data look at it as a kind of a gateway to other careers to make you successful brilliant and, and is there something fundamentally that needs to happen in the education and skill system here or is it covered not as much as i would like so we are trying to do some work um, i'm doing a podcast with stem um, subjects with you know some of the schools because i do think you know there is you know leveling up agenda getting more females into stem subjects more ethnic minorities into stem subjects mm -hmm. and actually making sure that we we use data as a way of charging through breaking through some of the barriers i think it's really important and, and what about what about at the other end of the scale? What about a, a, a more seasoned professional? I mean, if somebody is a manager in the public sector or even a director level and wants to start seizing this data agenda, what's your advice to them? Where should they start? We we are actually in the NHS doing some work with our leaders, which is kind of a masterclass, which is basically some modules to explain some of the um, nuances of data, interpretation of data, work with an analyst we what we're trying to do is pair senior people with junior analysts so they can ask Brilliant. all the you know so-called dumb questions obviously there are no dumb questions but so that they can familiarize themselves and understand the nuances in the tooling that we're building so for instance in the early warning system that we've built which is a machine learning module for forecasting admissions to hospital we've built in um, an explainability piece which actually tells you what the model's using to come up with the forecast and the kind of proportionality of that but also um, very transparent on how the model's performing so you know whether the data is being aligned to the right kind of 
confidence level. So again, we can build in some of those things in the tool set that we provide. So it's not all a black box. I think when things are a black box, it makes it quite hard for people to understand. But yeah. once you can explain that explainability to people, they can engage with the model much stronger. And I think it's that engagement and conversation around the analysis or the modeling or whatever it is, having that joint conversation between the analyst and the operations person is where the value actually starts being created and then once you get into that cadence what we're finding is that we've created loads of um, supporters of data analytics who then go and spread the word so it's really making sure you've got that network of people that they can go to and making junior analysts available to to do that explainability yeah because that's half the battle isn't it because one side of this is getting people focused on data careers and data science and and really digging into it at a deep level but then the the wider the wider population in any given organization just needs to be more data literate just needs to understand the possibilities more just needs to be able to to generate insight from their data a bit yeah. more i think we can talk about data literacy between us I think it's quite um, an uncomfortable term to a lot okay. of the business users. You know, you don't, nobody wants to be called illiterate. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Yeah. yeah so, so, so we have to think about this is actually, what is the data telling you? What's the narrative that you've got skills as a business person? What's the narrative that you're trying to kind of engender? We help you with the right graph or the right analysis to support that. So to me, it's a teamwork. It, I, I struggle a bit with the language sometimes. Yeah. Because it can't be them and us because that's where we'll fail. The success for me looks like actually we're working together to get a better outcome for patients and the public. And therefore, it's about how do we build that narrative together so that we can understand what to do. It is frustrating for, for professionals that say, actually, we do all this great stuff, but nobody understands it and nobody uses it because they're not data literate. For me, that's quite a lazy statement in yeah. some ways because actually we haven't then understood what their requirements are probably. We haven't really done our job. So I think there is a bit of humility that we need to take into these conversations because everyone's busy and they're trying to do the best they can. And so are we, so together we can do that better. So it's a bit of both sides understanding each other, which is why the, the cadence and the business process around what's the data showing and how does someone interpret that and help them understand and give them the forum to ask those questions is really beneficial for that change process, if you like. So we've talked about people at the start of their career and thinking about what they want to do. We talk about seasoned professionals. What about CDOs? What about chief data officers across the system? What's your message to them? So I guess from a CDO perspective, this is why I think I'm really a big supporter of the kind of the data leadership forum that Deloitte have convened for us. It gives us an opportunity to collaborate. It gives us an opportunity to share ideas. And as I said earlier, sharing things like job descriptions, making sure the competencies are con consistent. We, we as a group can transform the way that the public sector data works. So I think there's a huge opportunity there to, you know, to participate and join in and join the revolution, if you like, of what we can do with data. And we can learn from each other as well as, you know, to, together we can probably push forward with this agenda across public sector much more effectively than on our own. 
Fantastic. And contact details will be at the end of this podcast if you work in data and want to get in touch. Just, just finally then, the last couple of minutes, Ming, the last thing I wanted to ask you was about where this could take us in the future. Let, let's say a horizon of of 10 years. If if you get this stuff right, the NHS gets this stuff right, government gets this stuff right, I'm talking about the skills, the technology, the cultural change, all of it comes together. What could the NHS be doing with data in a decade's time? I would like us to move to a place where patients are more in charge of what services they get. I mean, the nirvana of all this stuff, I mean, has I worked in some with some FMCG companies and kind of CPG companies, you know, consumer goods companies. The nirvana always was a segment of one. How do wow. you target and tailor for the person? And if you think about it, we have actually got a bit of an opportunity for health for the person receiving those services to be steering the service. And if we build the technology and the capabilities in the right place with the right feedback loops we can probably not one but you know to small groups that would be really valuable if your data you know as a citizen supports a health service do the right thing for you so that it's convenient so that it helps you look after your family and keep you well that's the nirvana for us Brilliant. And that's a great point to end on, I think. Ming, thank you very much. This has been a really fascinating conversation. So thank you for taking part and good luck for all this stuff you're doing on data skills. Thank you. And thanks you also to everyone who listened in today. If you want to know more about the Data Leaders Forum, search online for Deloitte Public Sector Data Leaders Forum and get in touch. For now, thanks again to Ming and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.